This is the Salt Podcast with me, Keith Mora, and my guest, a three-sport athlete, Gabby Maringer. Good afternoon, Gabby. Good afternoon. It's been a little while since we discussed the team culture and striving to get to the top. So today I thought we would discuss the, te- the culture of elite teams and what makes them elite. All right, so tell me, Gabby, what does the word elite mean to you? So to me, elite means that you are top tier. Looking at a team, I think every single person on that team wants to win. They're there for the right reasons, and they have an elite attitude. They have that mindset that every day they're going to come in and work their hardest. Yeah, I agree. I think um, there's a coach. His name is PJ Fleck. He works at the University of Minnesota, and that's kind of his, like, catch word he talks about elite and like everywhere the team goes if you ask them how they're doing they have to respond that they're doing elite um kind of to signify i guess that it's they're at their best i guess is what they're they're trying to say you know and i think when you when you talk about what does elite look like it's that program that day in and day out they are they are doing everything the right way and now people ask well what's the right way well obviously you measure that by wins and losses but i think you also measure it by do your teammates like each other? Do they do they respond well to each other? Um, are they seen working for each other? Do you have uh, you know cracks in the armor where you know people people get upset easily about not getting playing time? Is that a factor on your team, or do you have a culture where everybody's working together and it's not about me, it's about we, it's it's about what's best for the team? Are you willing to go play a position that typically you don't want to play? but you know it's what gives the team the best chance to be successful. Like elite teams, I don't think ever have those issues. You know, they're going to do whatever they have to do in order to be successful. Whereas a team that's not elite, sub elite, you know, they're, they're going to have those, those fractures in the, in the armor. They're going to have that, that, that player on the team who believes uh, winning is great, but this is my position. This is where I play. And, 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 oh, by the way, I need to touch the ball 25 times a game or I, I need to get 25 shots up a game or else you guys are all wrong. You know, uh, that's not elite. So if, if, if we have a general understanding of what elite looks like, how do you get there? I think, well, it definitely has to come from within the team. So I think having those team leaders is so important, but I think more than that, it's everyone understanding that they can be a leader. Everyone has to step up and being elite does require some talent, but having an elite attitude requires none. All it requires is for each person to know their role. I think you might not be the best player on the team, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a huge impact on the team and the team's success. I agree 100%. So one of the things that you said, I just, I had to write down a little note to remind myself to say it. Um, so there's a book that we're going to do a review on at some point and it's called extreme ownership. And this, this goes back to the podcast that I, we just put out last time with Brandon wonder where we kind of hit on some of those, those pieces of that book. Uh, and one of the things that you said was everyone leads. And in that book, there's a term that they use called decentralized command, which simply means everybody leads. There is no central command. It's decentralized. Everybody has a role in that leadership. And we talk about elite culture, there isn't a, a one, you know, one person who who drives that entire you know thing forward. There can't be because what happens if that person goes away? Is is that culture still elite? 
Is that program still elite? If if you're the star point guard and the entire team runs through you and you tear your ACL, what happens to the team? They're no longer elite, I guess. Well, if that's what you build your culture on, then you know, that, that's it's only as good as, as what that one person can be. If it's decentralized and everybody's leading, everybody's taking a part of that that ownership of, of what it's going to take to get the whole team there, that's where it really starts to become elite because now it's not me pulling the rest of you forward. It's it's all of us pulling each other forward. And that's really what, what what you're looking for when it comes to like what does it take to be elite? What are you what are you doing daily to to build the culture? It's that's a huge part of it. Everybody leading, everybody doing their part. So how much talent does it take to be elite? Like I said, I do think it takes a certain amount of talent. You have to have that, but more than the ta- more than the talent, it takes a discipline to go there every day and work your hardest. Because even if you can only get so good, you're pushing the people around you to get better. And those talented players, they can have their strengths shine through. It's a team all having that discipline and holding each other accountable. Because if you don't have that accountability, you're not getting better. And you're not going to have that elite culture. Agreed. Elite teams don't just get to choose when it's convenient for them to show up. So you, you've got a weight room session coming up starting on Monday, running through Thursday. If you're truly an, an elite athlete or an elite team or a part of an elite program, we're not even talking about wins and losses yet, but it's the summertime. None of us have games again until the fall. So there's nothing to measure it by when it comes to wins and losses. What you're literally trying to measure is are those are those people on your team putting in the work every single day? And are they getting better every day? Or are they just showing up because they know that they have to be there because it's going to you know, appease the coach and, and the teammates that want them there? Those people stick out like sore thumbs. And even more so in middle middle of July or late July when they haven't gotten any better. They're still, they're still not very fast. They haven't gotten any stronger. And you wonder why. Like, well, the weight room doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work for you because you don't do anything once you're here. You got, you got to put in the work once you're here. That's what elite teams do. What do you got? Right. I think that's super important that you can't make the commitment for anyone else. You have to make the commitment for yourself. And you have to make the decision that when you go – to lifting or to practice, that you are going to try your absolute hardest and you are going to work your hardest. And that's a decision that every single person on the team has to make for themselves. You can do your best to encourage other people and you absolutely should. But at the end of the day, that's a decision that each player has to make on their own. Agreed. So have you earned the right to lead others? I believe that I have. I know I go into every practice looking forward to working hard. I've worked to improve my self-discipline. I know that when I go in, I'm giving it my all. And so even coming up as a freshman, like maybe I'm not the best player, but if I have that elite attitude, then I believe I do and anyone else like me would have the right to lead others. Yeah, agreed. And we talk about everyone leads, decentralized command, like everybody should be leading. Everybody should be working on leading other people but it also means that you can't be the person that shows up for the first time sometime in mid-june but you happen to be a junior so you get to be the leader 
or you're or you're a senior, so you get to be the leader because you're the senior. Like, seniority doesn't earn leadership. That just shows your age. That's all it does. So have you earned the right to lead others? You you have to every day earn that right, in my opinion. Uh, you don't get to, to live off last year's gas tank, is what a lot of people say. You know, you, you may have done the right things last year. You may have been a good teammate last year. But that that might be a new group coming in this year. Those freshmen don't know who you are necessarily because they, they haven't played with you before. So have you earned the right to lead those people? Have you earned their trust? Have you done the things that you need to do to, to, to set a good example, you know, starting off in the weight room, in conditioning, in the open gym sessions? Are you doing those things daily? Or are you the person who on, you know, next Tuesday you're feeling a little bit sore and decide today's not really the day. I'm not going to put in the work. Well, you don't have the right to lead those other people then today because you haven't really, you're, you're not doing anything that, that demonstrates leadership. So, with that being said, what do people have to do to earn that right, do you believe? I believe they have to show up every day and work their hardest and bring a good attitude. Don't tear other people down, especially as a junior, senior. If you're an upperclassman, I think sometimes you start to feel a little entitled, you know, especially if you are a hard worker. You've put in your time and you feel like now you should be getting rewarded. But the thing is, especially at schools where they do have an elite culture and they have elite players, sometimes there's going to be that freshman who's just better. So it's your job to encourage them to be a leader and to work hard at it and to keep improving their skills. So that way when they become a junior and senior and even their freshman year, you can't get upset if they're playing over you. You have to keep encouraging them and pushing them to be their best or you won't be able to build that elite culture for your school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, that you're saying when you say building elite culture for your school is younger athletes have to feel like they have the ability to lead. And if they feel like they're not able to have a voice or they're not able to step out of the shadow of, of that upperclassman or of that starter, then they'll never advance. They'll never feel like they can lead others. And one thing that I used to tell kids uh, in our in our football program was, you know, as a freshman, you don't have to try to go lead the senior. You might lead the senior. You might be that kid. But can you find other people that you can help to lead? Because, again, if we're all leading, you don't have to be the leader of the entire team. Maybe you're the leader within your freshman group. Maybe you're the leader within just your group of friends that, that you've been, you know, close with since, you know, you were in the you know third grade or something. Are you leading them? If we're all leading in some capacity, that means everybody's leading. No one's asking you to step up and be the, the star leader of the team that when, when when things get really tough, all eyes go on you. As a freshman, you probably don't want that because you probably haven't had enough experience yet to, to earn that, that right. But if we're just talking strictly leadership, if everyone's doing their little part, this thing works a lot better. And you start to really talk about this this is an elite culture because everybody is invested in that, that growth. Um, so when, when we talk about the team culture, we talk about school culture, what is culture? It's it's a it's a catchy word. Everyone wants to use it now. It's all about culture. But what what builds it? I think that the attitude the attitude surrounding the school or the team that is your culture. And I think it's up to a lot of times the pressure gets put on the administration or the coaches to build that culture, but really it comes from the people within. 
and especially leaders. This is a great opportunity for students and uh, team captains and everyone else too, because like we talked about decentralized command, you know, everyone should be a leader. So I think it comes from everyone having a positive attitude and from everyone wanting to become their best self. Yeah, I agree. What, what builds culture, it's, it's everybody being in this one team mindset. So one thing that we're doing to help build that culture within our athletic department is exactly what we're going to start doing next week. Um, I think this is kind of different. I think it's unique because we're a small school. And we have the ability to do this. You know, we're, we're going to split up all of our teams into different summer teams. And so when we're lifting and conditioning, we'll have kids from the football team lifting with girls from the basketball team and the volleyball team. And there will be boys from the basketball team and baseball team lifting with girls from the golf team or the softball team. And why, why would you want to do that? Um, a lot of people feel like when the summer hits, that's the time to, to bond within your own team. But in some degrees that builds separation between one team and another team. So at a small school like ours, how do you build two cultures at once if you're being pulled in two different directions? You know, how do you build with your basketball team if you're also being pulled by your volleyball team? How do you build with your football team if you're being pulled to the baseball team? You know, it shouldn't have to be that way. If we're all in this thing together, that's what you're really building when you talk about school's culture. Now, maybe within a team's culture, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, at some point, you're going to have to come together and build that camaraderie with your own teammates that you're, you're playing with for that season. But it's June. It's not August. It's not September. We have an opportunity here to build all of our athletes together so that they're all working together. That means when when this when the fall gets here, we've got kids from the from the football team that know that what those girls put in this past summer for, for their work for the volleyball season should be celebrated. It should be encouraged. And now they're gonna want to go support that team, right? Because they, they saw what it took for those girls, you know, to, to get better. Those girls are going to want to go support the guys on the football team because they saw the work that had to be put in for them to be successful. We've got kids in that weight room now who are league champions. We've got kids coming into the weight room that have gone undefeated. We've got kids that are in that weight room that haven't won a game in two years. So it's a big mix. So everybody can take a little bit from the other person because I, hey, I want to know what it, what it takes to be a, a champion, but I've never been a champion before. Take a look over there and see what that kid's doing in the weight room. See what that kid's doing in conditioning. See how that kid carries themselves because they don't have a defeated mindset. There are things that certain teams do that other teams don't do, even within our own school. And if we can all take a piece of those types of things, you know, I, I think it starts to to kind of make all of us grow together as one and so that's how you build it on a school level. So what breaks it then? I think, especially in a small school like ours, it is the separation. You know, the fact that the separate teams don't feel, they forget that it's all one school. And it should all be in one culture. And so when the boys have football games or basketball games, the girls should be there supporting them and vice versa. And I think when you have that, it also motivates everyone to work. And the lifting you're talking about where we have boys and girls in the gym or in the weight room together. I think at first it makes a lot of people nervous. You know, it's something you're not used to, 
But I think it's so important because then we're all learning those same values. We all, the core of each of our teams remains the same. Because at a small school like ours, really, a lot of your football team is your basketball team. And same with the girls. Your volleyball team is your basketball team and your track team. And so when you build that one team culture, it's important that everyone buys into it. Because if you have teams that won't buy into it and players who won't, then it, that's how it gets broken. Absolutely. And so leading into that, what breaks it? Something we've discussed before is energy vampires. The people that tear apart a program with negative energy and a negative attitude. How do you think great teams or teams that are striving for greatness handle those people? I think at some point the leaders on the team any, it could be any of the leaders, needs to have a talk with those players and tell them, like, be in or be out. You know, if you're going to stay here, that's great, and we want you to, but then you have to really commit to it. Discipline yourself to be here every day and to bring a good attitude. You cannot be bringing other teammates down, or it's not really worth it for you to be there. Yeah, I agree. And when when you talk about breaking that that school or team culture it's a lot harder to do when there's 40 people around right who are all working towards the same goal you know you might not want to be there and if you're on a team of you know maybe you're maybe you're on a cross-country team maybe that team has eight kids on it uh, if one kid doesn't really want to be a part of it doesn't really care too much to be there that could pretty easily fracture that team we're, we're talking about seven other people have to be influenced negatively to to, to completely you know, break that team's culture. For sure. If you've got 40 people involved and one person doesn't really want to be there or doesn't really want to put in the hard work, you got 39 other people who are, who are pushing back saying, no, this is what we need to do to get better. You know, that, that strength in numbers thing really, really means something. I think when, when you start talking about getting the, the, the bus moving in the right direction, you know, um, and that goes all the way back to our conversation back with the energy bus, you know? So once again, go read that book because it's, it talks about this. I mean, it's, it literally is going to talk about, you know, getting the people off the bus. If they don't, if they don't want to put in the work, you, you got to get them off the bus at some point, because otherwise they just kind of sabotage the, the rest of those that are on the bus. And that's, that's never going to, going to help to build that, that team culture. So what does an energy vampire look like? So something that we've discussed in the past, is uh, some lessons that, that came from the Focus 3 team and, and uh, Tim and Brian Kite. Uh, and one of the things that they talked about is uh, BCD. So blaming, complaining, and defending negative behavior. And so if we were going to equate blaming, complaining, and defending into money and into cost, if you were to, to take the number of people on your team, so sport you most recently competed on was uh, track. How many did you have on your team? We had seven girls. So you had seven girls. So if you had to take a number of hours that people spent blaming, complaining, and defending, and I bet you're in track, it's, it's kind of easy sometimes because there are some cold days out there in track. Oh, for sure. Some very cold days <laughs> in April up here in North, North Ohio. And I'm sure there are moments when people complain about having to go out and run in the cold or they blamed the weather for the reason why they couldn't go as hard today. I guess that's probably Definitely. True. Probably Absolutely. True. And look, at the end of the day, like 
we're not saying everybody does this. We're not saying that, that we have some kind of fractured culture within our track team. We're just using an example here. Like this could be any team. This could be anywhere. But if you look at the number of people on your team and you take a number of hours spent blaming, complaining, and defending. So you said you had seven girls on your team. Let's say maybe 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 five hours total for a week that they spent blaming, complaining, and defending, and you times that, you're looking at 35 hours a week of people spending their time blaming and complaining and defending instead of getting better, working together, creating the culture that we want. 35 hours a week is almost a, a full work week. Like most people work 40-hour work weeks. Right. You're five hours short. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, think about if, if that was money you know, in a business and you're talking about, um, you know, an employee who, who makes, you know, I don't know, $20 an hour, $25 an hour, and they spend 35 hours a week blaming, complaining, and defending. How much money do you think that company must lose every week to people who aren't working on getting better, working on working together? How much time do you think must be spent every week where people are instead of working on getting better and working together and learning more about their craft they're instead spending their time blaming complaining and defending work or their actions or whatever right and so and even what you're talking about like seven hundred dollars for that one person if they complain 35 hours a week and they're getting paid $20 an hour. That's only one person. And if that energy vampire can reach other people, then the company is wasting so much money. So much money, so many hours. Think about exactly what you just said. I mean, if, if, if it was a track team of seven, and then that track team of seven fans out and goes into their fall sport, and three of them go to the volleyball team, three of them go to you know, the cross country team and one of them on the golf team and think about that ability then to continue to fan out and infect those other people on those teams. And all of a sudden seven grows to 15. Right. And now it's 15 times, let's say five hours a week. And now you're up over 60 hours a week. Now you're, now you're past a full work week worth of, of blaming, complaining and defending. So how do you ever get out of your own way? If all you do is spend your time, even if it's just a couple hours a week, blaming, complaining, and defending instead of working on getting better. Right. And I think that's super important to realize that, like, if you go to a state meet for a track, it is a completely different feel. Those kids who are there are elite. They want to be there. And so if you're there and it's raining, they realize that it's raining for every person they're competing against. The weather is not targeting you. So stop complaining about it. You're there to compete and you're there to win. And when everyone has that attitude, it makes things so much better. Absolutely. Today at the state track meet, I'm getting wet and I'm going to be great. Right. But that's it. It's like, a different I'm not, mindset. I'm not getting upset about it today. Exactly. <laughs> How much skill does it take to be negative? It takes no skill, and I think that's why so many people do it. So many times, it's so much easier to be negative. I can't lift that weight. 
I'm not strong enough to do what that kid over there does. You can look at it that way. Or you can say I'm not strong enough yet. Right. I haven't put enough time yet, but I'm going to. It yet can can change all the blaming, complaining, and defending. You know, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. So it takes you're right, it takes absolutely no talent. You know, it, take 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 any of the sports you play, any of the three sports you play. How can we change a negative attitude or response and make it positive? It takes a lot of focus. I'm not perfect either. And I know a lot of times when you think about negativity, you think about how it affects other people, but you forget that it affects you too. Your negative self-thoughts, it that self-doubt, that affects your playing, which then still affects your teammates. It's all connected. So you have to make an effort and be a little more self-aware. So when you think something negative or you're about to say something negative or blame, complain, or defend, you have to realize, oh, wait, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to say something positive or I'm going to change my thoughts to be more positive. But it does. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of focus. I think one of the things you're talking about is it feels safer to just be negative. I don't have to be vulnerable. I don't put myself out there. I don't have to risk failure if I'm just negative about it in the first place. If I, if I just if I just say like, it can't be done, I'm, I'm not good enough to do that. I don't have to try now. I'm just letting everybody know I'm not good enough to, to do that. Or, you know, we lost because the ref didn't call the holding call. He missed the hold call. We were getting held. You know, you can look at it that way. But that, that would mean that, that you would have had to do something to stop getting held. And, and you didn't do that. Right. So we can just blame it on the referee and we can, we can chalk that up to, we were, we were better than they were. We just, we just, you know, we got gypped. Yeah. And that's not a good attitude to have anywhere. That's so negative. And especially on a team, I get it playing basketball, you know, sometimes the refs are not great and it's super frustrating but at the end of the day, they're doing their best too. And you have to understand that if you are that much better than the other team, then the refs don't make a difference. And so you need to have that attitude. And this negative energy, that just brings everyone down. It doesn't do anything to help you or your teammates get better. I agree. So if you had one message you'd want to give to your teammates as we get ready to go into Monday, starting off a whole new year of athletics, on building the culture that we need, what would that message be? I would tell them to believe in themselves themselves, and to work on their self-discipline and have a goal in mind. I think hopefully with us all lifting together, we will build a team goal and we will have that. But I think everyone right now should think to themselves, what am I going to do to get better? What is my goal? What is the point of me being here? And once you figure that out, dedicate yourself to it. Dedicate yourself to getting better. Maybe I want to be a better shooter. So I know every day I have to shoot 5,000 shots. Like pick a goal and stick to it. Have the discipline and have the confidence in yourself to know that you can do it. I agree. The, the only message that I would give is don't shy away from the summer just because you know what it is. So you know the summer's going to be hard. 
you know that the strength conditioning sessions that we're going to start doing on, you know, next week are going to be difficult. They're difficult because we want you to be better. They're not difficult because we want to watch you fail in a whole bunch of new creative ways. The, 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 the strain of, of a summer program is what makes you more prepared when it comes time to play a game, whether it be the fall or the winter. So it takes everybody to be all in. You can't have a group of people who don't want to be there, who pull the rest of the group down. That doesn't help build the culture. But if we're truly trying to build this, this one team mindset where we're all in this thing together, it is going to take everybody being fully willing that when they get there, they're just going to embrace whatever that thing is that day. And they're just going to go get it. They're going to go attack it with, with the, the best effort that they can give. And they're going to look to get better every single day. And, and it wouldn't be right if we didn't say it at some point in this podcast, because we've said it in every other podcast, go find a little win, go find a little win every single day. It doesn't have to be the sport. It, it can be simply, you know, the lifting session, the conditioning session, go find a little win. If it's, if it's, I increased my, my squat by, 20 pounds from, from last time I came in, that's a little win. You take that little win and, and keep building on those little wins every single day. No one's asking you to go from the kid who can't lift the bar to the kid who's, who's squatting the entire weight room. No one's asking you to be that person. Just go find a little win. So Gabby, go ahead and tell people where they can find this podcast if they want to continue listening. This podcast can be found on Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Breaker, and Apple Podcasts. All right. The next Salt Podcast will be coming out on June 21st. Until then, don't settle for the easy way out. Don't be an energy vampire. Commit yourself and buy in.